When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Palmerbet on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. On the overnight crowd, we are now going to be speaking with author of The Inner Sanctum, Jasper Chelapar. Jasper, thank you for joining us once again. Jen, it's so nice to be back. It's been a, a, a long two weeks. Um, and we've got a huge weekend of football coming up. I know we've missed you, but it is a massive week. And if we can just stop, uh, we'll go back over Tuesday night because Tuesday night was the night of nights in AFLW. The the BNF count was done. There was the Rising Star. The All-Australian team was announced. Just lots of stuff happened across Tuesday night. Uh, what did you make of it? Did you in- enjoy the evening? And, of course, the award getters, if we go through those. Yeah, I, I thought it was an awesome spectacle. I was... Um, very, very, very happy with some of the award winners. Um, and I, I just thought the entire night was, was gorgeous. It was a great watch from, from my isolation at home. I've got a few more days left. So fortunately, this one took care of one night um, for me. But yeah, it was, it was such a fun night to watch. It really was. I enjoyed it as well, uh, tuning in from over here in the West. So um, the All-Australian side that was named, no huge surprises, I don't think. Did you? Was there anyone that you thought missed out that should have got in? Oh, look, you look at the team and I thought every everyone was so, so deserving. And there's a couple, you know, first-timers, there were a couple, you know, coming on to their fourth and fifth time. It's absolutely ridiculous how, how many stars of the competition there are. I thought Emma Kearney... Um, being named captain was very apt because she's such a, a good leader for, for yeah. North Melbourne. Um, but yeah, I was I was pretty stoked with the team. I thought um, the finals sides, especially the grand final sides, were very well represented as they should be because they've been so dominant as well. And it was, yeah, so Carney, she hasn't missed an All-Australian in the six seasons. Uh, Hayley Miller uh, was named her vice-captain, which I think has been a talking point across, you know, getting out of the Victorian home of footy, but Hayley Miller seems to be a talking point, someone who's really impressed with taking a game to another level this year once she's been handed the captaincy of, of Fremantle. Hayley's been an absolute superstar, especially when, you know, Kiara Bowers has missed a few games and she's just been this absolute presence for the Dockers who made it through the prelim. Um, and I just, for, for her to take a game to the next level along with, you know, bringing on the captaincy to her plate. Um, I was, you know, super impressed with her season. Very well deserved. And I, I think what was so impressive about her was she was kicking goals from the midfield. She was, yeah. you know, spending lots of time forward. So she was kind of doing the team stuff as well um, as just being this star for the Dockers. I, th- I thought her season was, you know, I thought it kind of flew out of the radar over mm. in the East, especially in Victoria. Um, but I'm glad that she was rewarded um, on their night of nights. Now, the rising star, I thought this one was a really um, fascinating story in the fact that Mimi Hill from Carlton, she made her way back from a long time out with an ACL injury, didn't play, what, a a third of the season, I think, or or four games out of the 10, and she's uh, ended up having such an impact in six games that she's won the rising star of the year. 
she, it was really hard to ignore her performances. She came back, as you said, um, five, four games in, and she was an absolute superstar for the Blues. She would have been their top polar mm. if she played the full um, season. Uh, and I thought she was, you know, even with Maddie Prestbarkas in there, in the second half of the season, I thought she was their best player. Um, it was it was super deserving, and as you say, she's fought through a lot of adversity. I know um, John O'Brook has has had a couple really good chats to her on the Inner Sanctum as well, and so just the stuff that she reflects on through her personal journey. Um, she's uh, you know really really smart, switched on um, young person, and and I'm I'm really glad that she got the award. I thought um, coming into it, I thought Charlie Rogotter was probably going to win it. Yeah, so did I. She had a fantastic season for the Suns. Um, so a little bit unlucky there, but I absolutely cannot complain about Mimi um, winning this one. I thought there was, you know, it was very tight at the top as well with Mia King too. And mm. um, even, you know, Georgie Prasparkas without, you know, the suspension was, you know, right up there too. So I thought um, for Mimi Hill to win this is, is such a great reward for her and, and I was super stoked. It was uh, a thing that when I, when I saw her get announced that I stopped and I went, well, do you know what? She won like Carlton's season turned around and their form turned around when she started playing for them again. So then I was like, yeah, actually, you're right. She is the rising star. Uh, Moving on to the main best and fairest, this was a really exciting count because at round nine, at the end of round nine, with one round to go, we had a tie at the top with um, Emily Bates and Anne Hatchard, both on 18. Uh, Ebony Marinoff was on 15 and Hayley Miller was on 15. So round 10 was fully alive for the votes, which was absolutely fascinating to then listen through as the votes came out. Uh, and in the end, Hatchard got a two-vote game and Bates was given three votes and she ended up winning um, this 2022 AFLW Best and Fairest. I know. Hatchie won't be too impressed with uh, Ebony Marinoff stealing a vote off her in the last. <laughs> and it was a bit of a case of that the entire way through for the Crows. They were so dominant off the back of their two superstars through the midfield. Um, even Aaron Phillips, Ash Woodland, getting all these votes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they ended up with 52 votes or something on the season. And you look at uh, another team like West Coast, who had, I think, nine votes collectively in their team. So, you know, it just shows how dominant Adelaide was throughout the season. But they just stole a couple too many votes off each other. Um, and Emily Bates is such a deserving winner. Yeah, to win by one vote in the last round, it was it was edgy seat stuff. And I was absolutely on the edge of my couch last night. Um, I thought she was incredibly... Deserving after an awesome season for the Lions. Um, she's a three-time All-Australian now as well. So she's been doing it over a number of years since she was drafted in, um, I think it was 2016. I think it was the first pick from the Lions she yeah. was. Um, so she's been incredible for them. Uh, I thought the Shuey yep. Jen was absolutely <laughs> amazing. Uh, when, I, when I was watching it originally live and I was a bit worried that it was going to detract from the moment or something, but um, it completely added to a Craig Stout, which is a, is just such an, an awesome coach and you can tell how much um, he, he's beloved by the AFLW community and the Lions group. Um, I'm, I'm glad that it added to the spectacle and, and drew more eyes to, to a pretty awesome event. I, I thought um, Bates's speech was fantastic and then, yeah, um, you know, she handled the fact that Craig did get that moment there where he did do the shoey, but it did absolutely add to it. And I messaged a couple of my footy-loving friends and I said um, – We've already really like him as a coach, and I said this this just makes me I'd love to have him as a coach, and he just was a little bit of a legend. So there was so much to smile about having this live awards ceremony with many plenty of people in the room. I know Adelaide and Melbourne obviously stayed um, and did their things separately, but I thought it was a really well produced AFL awards night, 
And, uh, you know, Emily Bates was fantastic and spoke so, so well um, to finish the night and thoroughly deserved the big award, which was really exciting for her. Um, looking forward at the grand final because the thing I liked about it is at the very end of her speech, she wished the grand finalists luck and that's a game she wants to be in. Uh, and she, you know, said well done to all of the award winners tonight and um, best of luck to Adelaide and Melbourne in the grand final. What's your preview? What do you think is going to happen in this grand final? Yeah, I, I can't wait. This is going to be such a fun grand final. 12.30pm Eastern time on the Saturday. Please, please tune in. Um, it's going to be at Adelaide Oval as you know it was last year as well. Crows versus the Demons will be looking for their first AFLW flag and to go back uh, to double up with the men's. Um, that'd be a pretty special thing for the Melbourne Footy Club. Uh, they've both been the you know the dominant sides all year. It's going to be there's so many storylines as well. I think Daisy versus Aaron is one that the media is going to be feeding into. I think Taylor versus um, Taylor Harris versus Ash Woodland will be an awesome one to watch as well because Taylor you know bounced back to her best form this year, and Ash Woodland obviously won the goal kicking. She has been unbelievable for the Crows. So you know the storylines are absolutely stemming from this one, and it's going to be. Really interesting to see who wins that midfield battle because they're two, you know, really dominant midfields. So, um, really looking forward to those kinds of aspects um, of the game. I think the Crows are just so so good at home. You know, they lost to the Lions in the grand final at Adelaide over last year, but I think they'll they'll bounce back this year. I think they'll win by you know, two or two or three goals. And um, if you want a best on ground for me, I think uh, Ed Marinoff is an absolute superstar and turns it on in the biggest games. So think, you know, through the middle of the ground, she'll be unstoppable and she'll she'll be best on ground in a Crows grand final win. Crows to win for you. Uh, it's going to be the other part of it, of course, is the Phillips versus Daisy Pierce storyline as well, two legacy name players that everyone's sort of waiting to see what they'll then end up doing after the grand final. Will Phillips jump across to Port Adelaide? Will her story continue over there? And Daisy Pierce, will her story turn into coaching or will she in fact stay around because the season's going to start again towards the end of August? But uh, both players have very strongly said, look, we, we are so focused on grand final day <laughs> and we're so excited for that and we'll leave all the rest of it till after that. So there's quite a few different um, storylines weaved into this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. But I think the important thing is right now is we're going to get you know a lot of conjecture about their um, you know, their futures after the siren sounds. And we're going to have, you know, if they don't announce it immediately, we're going to have mm. like a whole off season to <laughs> kind of debate that and look into it and, and wonder what they're going to do. Um, but for now, it's just, it's watching Daisy Pierce and Aaron Phillips on a footy field again. And if it's Magic. the last time, um, let's make sure we enjoy it because they are two absolute superstars and they're going to be immortals of the, of the AFLW. I couldn't agree with you more. We're speaking with Jasper Chelipa, author of At the Inner Sanctum. Uh, Jasper, stick around. We're going to clear a uh, commitment here. And when we come back, we'll look at the big performers and talking points out of round three from the AFL men's competition. Uh, we'll have a look at forward at round four. And I'll also be interested to get your take on the um, Hawthorne and Rioli situation as well. I'm really interested in, in how you've analysed this as well. So stick around here on the Overnight Crowd. We'll be back with Jasper in just a moment. Back here on the overnight crowd, we've got Jasper Chelipa, author of The Inner Sanctum. And Jasper, we're now going to turn our attention to AFL, the men's competition, round three. What were the best performances and the big talking points for you that came out of that round? Well, Jen, I don't know if you've been watching Patrick Cripps, but he is just so different to his last couple of seasons. Um, he looks so uninhibited and yeah, the, the freedom he's playing with. I, I saw a boundary 
line um, contest early in the first quarter where James Warple was basically, uh, to use like a basketball term, he was, it was face guarding him. He wasn't even looking at the ball, which is a free kick. But yep. anyway, he wasn't looking at the <laughs> ball and he was just trying to stop Cripps from getting near it. Tom Mitchell had just run onto the ground as well and he went straight to Cripps as well, put body on him. Patrick Cripps didn't even notice them, either of them. He spotted both of them off like flies while he was being double teamed, burst through the pack with the ball in hand and kicked it forward. And I, I kind of thought to myself, am I actually watching the best player in the competition right now? Because I, I didn't even conceive that he'd get back to his best considering, you know, the back injuries and the and the legs and and so many issues he's gone through over the past few years. So I just thought I just thought, you know, he's still young but I didn't think he was ever going to get back to it, but we're watching it right now. He's the best player in the competition, and he had 31 touches, 11 tackles. He kicked a goal again. Um, Patrick Cripps was my performance of the week because he just keeps backing it up, and he's he's doing it all right now for the Blues. <laughs> he definitely is doing it all. There was a couple of quieter um, games. I think you know Petrarca was someone that got heavily tagged. I think we're going to see some of that now start to come in as well. Uh, that was sort of a, probably a couple of interesting points, but even heavily tagged, I think um, I'm, I follow Supercoach quite heavily now and Petrarca still <laughs> scored almost 100 and you know everyone was going, oh, geez, he had a quiet game because he, he was tagged. So it yeah. does show what he actually is capable of. I think that's about as good as you can hope for when you tag him, especially when you're <laughs> Andy McGrath's size. He was probably giving up about 30 kilos to... Petrarca is listed at 98 kilos, if you don't mind. Um, I thought, yeah, Andy Brasher on the first half got blanketed as well. Yes. Um, Tuke Miller got double-teamed the entire game by Lockie Ash and Matt DeBoer. I think the tag is back in vogue. We saw today, this morning, um, Chris Scott say that Mark O'Connell will be back. And, uh, if you cast your mind back to last year, he did a really good job on Lockie Neal, so we can probably expect that to happen again. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, the tag is back in vogue, which is really bad news for super coaches because – our captaincy guys, um, they're, they're in a bit of danger right now. Yeah, I had Lockie Neal as my captain and then now thinking again, I'm like, he's going to get tagged again and I've got to make a decision. I'm not very good at making decisions, so it's a nervous <laughs> it's a nervous time for me where I was, I was like, yeah, I'm just going to lock in Lockie Neal. This would be great. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> um, forgot yeah, about the whole tag. so much easier. Yeah, yeah, no tagging. Take it out of the game. Um, all right, well, let's <laughs> let's move a little bit further forward. Um, into round four. A couple of stories there. Um, Selwood's going to be rested this week. Yeah, I think we can probably expect this from, from the old cats um, a little bit. You know, they've got Danger, who's 32 now. Obviously, Tomahawk came in the same draft as Joel Selwood. Uh, maybe even like a guy like Isaac Smith, who mm-hmm. runs a lot each week, I think could use a rest or two throughout the season. So Joel Selwood getting rested isn't that surprising. Um, but it is, you know... For the Cats, I think they really need to make top four to give themselves a genuine opportunity. So they, they really want to win these games regardless of if they're resting players or not. It's a big ask against the Lions. You know, obviously, he's, he's not up to playing this week. But you know, if, it was, if it was any chance, um, Chris Scott would want him to be playing right now because this is a huge game against the Lions on Friday night. Um, I think you know, his, his conduct on the weekend, I know we're not talking about that, but... Mm. It was, it was a little bit disappointing to be headlocking Jack Ginnivan like he was. Mm-hmm. Um, so much been ducking his head and lifting his arm in tackles for a, for a number of years. I thought Ginnivan just gave him a bit of a taste of his own medicine, which he didn't take too kindly to. Um, but yeah, so without, it's, it's going to be a tough one for the Cats to win now. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it, that's probably helping me lean more towards the Lions with, with Selwood being out. The other story, of course, on the back of a, a fantastic after the siren win for the Adelaide Crows. It looks like Tex Walker's going to be back for the Crows as well. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the way it was announced, Jen. 
Um, I probably expected a quieter announcement or a full statement. I thought it was, it was a bit jovial um, how the Crows media announced it on Twitter and Facebook. Mm. And I think, you know, it's not simply a case that the hurt of his word has been forgotten or we should be expected to forget that it happened. I thought maybe a formal media release would have been better about, you know, the education he's undertaken so far, something from Tex himself. Yes. That continuing his commitment to, um, you know, further his education and, and be a better person in society, that kind of stuff. There's only going to be one Tex out there on Sunday that I'll be supporting and he, he's wearing the red and black. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. And this actually leads probably a little bit more into the talking point as well um, with what's happening with Hawthorne and Cirioli having come out and explained more in more detail about part of the reasons for him um, retiring at just 29 years of age. He's shed some light into some things that had occurred um, between Jeff Kennett and his wife. And that Hawthorne released a statement today. Have, have you read through that? What did you think of the statement? Yeah. Um... I understand. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was pretty good. Um, it's like it's, they probably didn't touch on a few points, but it's important to be releasing this statement given what was reported um, by the Age a couple of days ago. I think you know, my heart just breaks for Cyril and Shannon. Yeah. And to not feel accepted in the club that you poured your heart into for a decade, you know, I can't even imagine that. But it does go beyond what you know the president Jeff Kennett has done and said, I thought comments from the playing group in the article were pretty telling. Um, mm. I also thought it was pretty telling that Jeff wasn't at the game at the G on Sunday. So I think, you know, maybe the statement aside, I thought Sam Mitchell had handled it terrifically so far, um, alone from the kind of interactions we've seen with the media in press, in press conferences, um, the text messages that were shown with Cyril um, looked really positive. But it's just so important to be making sure that the Indigenous boys like um, Tyler Brockman and Wingard and and Jarman MP feel positive about the steps that the club are taking. I know there was talk, there was talk about you know the Australia Day stuff and, and having education talks about that with the whole playing group. That's a great start, um, yep. and hopefully it keeps uh, continuing. It's not just words; it's, it's actually action. Yeah, I think that's a really good take, um, Jasper. In in finishing off our look at round four action coming up starting this Thursday, of course, Port Adelaide taking on Melbourne Demons, a tough game for them. They're on three losses along with West Coast Eagles and Essendon. They're the two teams yet to get a – three teams yet to get a win. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry to do that to you. (laughs) Who who needs the win the most this weekend? Obviously, granted, all of them, but who the most needs that win this weekend? Yeah. Well, maybe I'm a little bit biased, but I really think that Essendon needs the win the most. (laughs) This is absolutely a must win. They're coming up against Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. So, you know, the first three games you've, you've come up against, the teams that finished first, second, and third on the ladder last year. It's, it's not an ideal start to the season, and we can probably you know, reasonably expect an 0-3 record after those matches. But the way that we've lost, the way that um, some some players' form has just been so drastically different from 2021, there are huge worrying signs. And now we're going to be about Ben Rutten, who's in the COVID protocols, so Blake Carousel will be coaching. I think this is absolutely do or die for the Dons. It, it, it's a very tough fixture. It's very different to last year. Um, so even the ledger at three and three is probably the only way I can see us making finals from here. We've got the Crows and the Dockers and the Pies to come in the next three. Mm. Um, and obviously it starts with one win. So this is an absolutely a must win um, against Adelaide, who had a huge win over Port Adelaide last last week. 
Yeah, tough game, but a winnable game that they need to go after. Port Adelaide, uh, I think everyone's just waiting to see what is shown up there against Melbourne. This is our winner and margin uh, game here on the overnight crowd. So everyone's getting involved in picking their, their team. So far, only two people have been brave enough to pick Port Adelaide to get up over Melbourne. So I think that's telling as well. Um, but to wind it up, I, I know you're a massive NBA fan, so switching off um, AFL, I did note your tweet from earlier on Wednesday <laughs> um, about the Lakers. <laughs> um, the, yeah, what was it? I've never seen so much talent collectively fail. <laughs> it's, what is going on over there? If we can just spend a couple of minutes on the Lakers, because I know we've got a few Lakers fans out here on the overnight crowd. Yeah, so the Lakers are officially eliminated from playoff contention. And it gets worse than that, Jen, because... In the last couple of years, they've introduced this um, play in bracket. So it's the 7th, 8th, um, 9th and 10th seeds in both conferences get to play for those final two spots in the playoffs. Yes. So it basically just increases the amount of um, potential, uh, the, the potential teams that can make the playoffs um, after the regular season concludes. The Lakers can't even make that now. And they're coming up against sides that are effectively you know, rebuilding or have missed their star players throughout the season. The Spurs have DeJounte Murray. Um, compared to the Lakers having Russell Westbrook and LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And the Pelicans have been without Zion Williamson, notably for the entire season. So I, I think it's absolutely ridiculous that they haven't found a way to win games, especially when you've got LeBron um, probably going to finish second in, in point scoring, uh, the scoring title this year. Um, to not be able to surround him with adequate weapons for them to win enough games to make the playoffs. You only need to win 34 games to, to be in the plane, and they've they've only gone to 131 out of their 82 so far. It's, I think it is pretty ridiculous, and it's actually marvellous how badly this roster has gelled and, and gone this season. Um, so any Lakers fans out there, I'm sorry, but, yeah, my view of your season is, isn't kind. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't kind, but does show how important chemistry is aside from talent, and they just don't seem to have it, do they? Oh, yeah, Lakers. you're exactly right, Jen. Yeah. Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. Uh, I know, yeah, a few overnight crowders are shaking their heads as we speak. Jasper, thank you so <laughs> much for spending some time with us this evening on the overnight crowd. Great to talk to you again and continue to get well, hey? Yeah, I will do, Jen. I hope you enjoy the AFLW Grand Final on oh, Saturday. Cannot wait to watch the AFLW Grand Final. Uh, bring it on. Thanks, Jasper. Here on the overnight crowd... Asking the question to Jasper just then, let me know yourself as well. Who needs the win the most here in round four? Let me know. 0433 98 11 16 is the text line. Let me know who needs the win the most from round four coming up in the AFL. More to come on the Overnight Crowd. Life's busy. Take this deck. There's heaps to do on it, like um, polishing off this wine. That's tough. Life's pretty good with a Trex deck. Composite decking with no hard maintenance. Trex, the world's number one decking brand.